Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. All top of mind for millions of Americans. So tune in at 6 p.m. Eastern right here on News Nation. Thanks so much for trusting us tonight. On Balance with Leland Vittert is coming up next. I'm Elizabeth Vargas. I'll see you again right back here tomorrow night. Have a good night. program tonight, climate craze. From acne to the Earth's rotation, wait until you hear the crazy list of things blamed on climate change. Are you prepared to declare a national emergency with respect to climate change? I've already done that. Power struggle. A mask can be your best friend. Keep it private. Back in time, we have them in our pockets, in our coats, in our backpacks. Time to bring them out again. As COVID cases rise, mask enthusiasts say it's time to bring back mandates. The real reason for demanding things that don't work. Ohio warning. Sorry, you can't use those. What are you talking about? Who are you? I'm your Republican congressman. A devastating ad in the Buckeye state helped deliver a strong rebuke to pro-lifers. The new warning from Republicans to Republicans on the abortion issue. Plus, crisis at camp. The New York Times reports summer camp, sun, swimming, archery, and therapy. Why so many doctors refuse to confront the harsh truths about kids and mental health. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight from Washington. Rural Americans, it turns out, don't like being called hicks, racists, and bigots. And while that might sound so simple, a caveman could understand it, many of America's political and intellectual elite do not. Few things in life represent intellectual snobbery like the Atlantic. It was founded in Boston before the Civil War. It serves as a must-read before summer parties in the Hamptons and Martha's Vineyard. So you can imagine their shock and pearl-clutching over this summer's cultural revolution. It, of course, started with the Bud Light backlash. And that was just the start. Harsh criticism of Jason Aldean's country song, Try That in a Small Town, propelled it to number one on the Billboard charts. That's for all music, not just for country. In fact, what's a new record, country music held the top three spots on the Hot 100 chart that week, including Luke Combs' cover of Fast Car. There were accusations about that song. People called him covering it racist as well. It was number three. Jason Aldean, number one. Nothing quite says intellectual snobbery like trying to explain country music to the Hamptons crowd. When small town pride sounds like anger, writes Spencer Cornhaber, perhaps that vibe of 
subulated anxiety reflects the tragedy, he writes in The Atlantic, underlying the song, small town America, decades long economic decline, the big city problems, Aldine laments, violent crime, sedition, even fraying communal ties are in many cases worse problems outside the cities than in them. The reality is a major driver of right-wing resentment. A lot to unpack there. We'll do it quickly. So not only are small-town Americans bigots, they are backward hypocrites. Or maybe we're all just too dumb to understand why we're so resentful. I don't doubt Spencer's logic sounds better, perhaps after some chilled rosé gazing upon the ocean out in Montauk. He must have missed the rioting in New York's Union Square. It's a few hours from the Hamptons back into the city just last weekend. The rioting, of course, broke out because of a video game influencer who promised free stuff. And and don't worry here, Jason Aldean does it a lot better. I won't sing the lyrics, but you actually wouldn't try that in a small town. Riots over video games just don't happen in small towns. Spencer, the Atlantic author, like much of America's intellectual elite, don't get it. They don't understand small towns, really. But the political implications of the cultural revolution we are in anger them. They are scared of it, so they lash out, which is understandable. Consider Iowa. Barack Obama won it in 2008 and 2012. Once a true swing state filled with rural Democrats, it now is reliably red. From 2008 to 2020, you can see the map there. The rural counties went hard to the right, very hard to the right. Iowa City and Des Moines moved slightly more blue. Politics, as Andrew Breitbart told us, flows downstream of culture, and that's very important here. You start with culture, you get to politics. The culture of rural America, of small-town America, influences politics, not the other way around. As we told you last night, the backlash against Bud Light hiring a transgender activist keeps getting worse. Sales continue to fall, and Bud Light's parent company, just sold off almost a dozen brands. It's worth noting that over the past four months that we've been covering the Bud Light saga, not a single major voice on the left has held a Bud Light kegger in a show of solidarity or support. And in the Hamptons, nobody has ditched their rosé wine for a light beer brand that actually embraced identity politics. Out in the Hamptons, they literally don't know what to do with the growing backlash against progressive culture. The fear is real. Of course, they couldn't possibly admit that they were wrong or that they overstepped or that they are out of touch. So they look to the Atlantic for answers and to feel better about themselves. And the Atlantic provides that. While the rest of America catapults a song about small town values to number one on the Billboard charts. With that, we bring in our panel, civil rights attorney Robert Patillo, political consultant Sir Michael Singleton. Gentlemen, it is good to see both of you. Uh, Let me just ask you, Robert, uh, to be fair, have I identified the problem correctly? Uh, I I don't think so, Leland. And as a resident person from a small town, I'm from Waverly Hall, Georgia. I grew up in a double-wide trailer on a pig farm. If that doesn't qualify for small-town America enough, I don't know what will. But I think that if you read that Atlantic article, uh, they make it very clear that the bigger the bigger issue than this culture war between the big city elites and the small-town Americans is the real economic war that is going on uh, in small-town and rural America right now. We're seeing massive population declines from, from small towns and fleeing to big cities. You're seeing young people leaving in record numbers. We're seeing manufacturing and other uh, agricultural jobs leaving those areas. So as 
opposed to being worried about Bud Light or anything else, I think we need to have real policies put in place that can help revitalize rural communities because we're seeing large portions of America become depopulated and then the inner cities becoming more and more crowded, which is leading to, uh, to these overcrowding issues, the homelessness issues, the cr- criminal issues. That's what we need to address more so than who's drinking Bud Light. Yeah, well, we can all agree that, that the, that the culture wars end up being silly. They're emblematic, of course, of, of the feelings that people have. And sure, Michael, I, I think Robert's point is well taken, that, that the economic feelings of resentment are real, and that's why people look to, to symbols that say it's not your fault, right? Yeah, but I, I mean, I guess I would have a different perspective here because there are a lot of people who do live in cities that are now moving to the suburbs, and they're moving to the suburbs, Leland, whether they're black, white, Hispanic, whatever the case may be, because it's safer. The schools are better, even if they have to drive into the city for work, uh, because they look at examples like what you showcased in New York City, where you have hundreds of young people attacking the police, breaking property. Where are the parents presumably working hard? Uh, but but there's no accountability or responsibility. They're looking at uh, cities and realizing that there are district attorneys who are refusing to uh, prosecute individuals that have committed certain types of crime. They're realizing that police forces are struggling to hire and retain individuals. And so when you look at the Pew Research studies of, of individuals who are moving to the suburbs, it's not just white Americans, Leland. It's Americans of every color who are looking at this stuff And they're saying this is not sustainable. I don't want to live in an unsafe environment and I don't want my children in an unsafe environment. So when I think about that town, whether it's individuals in small towns or people who move to cities who are now moving to suburbs, I think Americans of every color and creed have had enough. Yeah, well, and the the polling bears that out. And Robert, you talk about the economic parts of this. Uh, Lots of new polling shows that both working-class African-Americans and working-class Latinos are abandoning the Democratic Party over culture issues. And they, don't, they, they feel the culture issues are, and the economic issues are driving them away, not towards the progressive policies. Why is that? Well, I think we've had a conservative media for the last several years that has really been pushing these uh, culture war issues more so than policy issues. And uh, when you say fleeing the Democratic Party, I think going from 90% to 89.8% oh, is not oh, exactly come on, fleeing when it comes to many of these jurisdictions. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Don't, don't blame the media here, okay? Really, well, it's, the, it's the, not, media fo- the media follows the media follows what people are interested in. The culture, the, you're saying that the, the, the media created the culture war. No, it tapped it. The culture war is because people feel a certain way. They're tired of being called racist and bigot, bigoted. And the media covers that. And the, the media didn't all of a sudden make Jason Aldean's song number one on the, on the Billboard charts. Listeners did. Look, Leland, how many people do you think who are upset about Bud Light having a transgender person talking about beer actually know a transgender person to have to be angry about it? They see these things in conservative media, which tells them that this is the new enemy. This is the point that I'm trying to make, that I wish the media uh, spent no, more time no, no, talking no, no, about no, many no, of the no, economic no. issues that are affecting communities, about creating jobs, about creating opportunities, about bringing back manufacturing, about fixing our broken education system, about providing universal health care. If they talked too much about that as they talked about transgenders drinking beer, 
beer, you would see very different polling. This is the new sensationalism that Republicans create because they don't want to talk about the actual economic policies that they are putting forward. And this is why the entire Republican primary has devolved into basically a, a podcast on Twitter instead of talking about actual issues. What is Tim Scott's plan to deal with uh, Social Security? What is Nikki Haley's plan to deal with the uh, infant mortality in America? We hear more about these cultural issues on the right than anything policy-based. Yeah, Sir, Sir Michael, I mean, you... I'm going to push back. I mean, look, we can go to Tim Scott's website and look at his positions on economics. I, I do agree with Robert that people are concerned about economics, education, health care, transportation, et cetera. But let's be honest here. There are mainstream outlets that do teeter to the left who are, uh, I guess, promoting these different lifestyle choices or, or different choices. Because I, I, some folks say it's not a lifestyle. I want to be correct here. And when you do ask people of color who are traditionally socially conservative, how do they feel about these issues? They vehemently disagree. There's enough survey studies and polls on this. When you ask them the definition of a woman and the definition of a boy or a man, and can those things be intertwined, they will absolutely reject. So I push back against this notion that this is being peddled by conservatives People of color have made it very clear. We don't have an issue with a grown adult making decisions for themselves. Mm-hmm. But when it, as it pertains to children, we're against that. Most of us are. And Robert knows this being a Southerner. As it pertains to mixing up definitions of biology, that's always been understood since the early dawn of civilization. Uh, most of us are against that. Th- these aren't new phenomenons, Leland. No, no, they're, they're not. But, Robert, I, I feel compelled um, to give you the last word since I feel like Sir Michael and I ganged up you on, on you just a little bit. But you get the last word in 30 seconds after I make this point. Why have we not seen the left, and I'll use that pejoratively, come out and support Bud Light? Why is there no none of these activists, none of the, the groups that we've seen about talking about equity and inclusion, all these things, out throwing Bud Light keggers? Because it's a issue that most Americans don't care about. This is something, the only way place that I get transgender news from is my conservative friends' uh, Twitter feeds. My trans friends don't even talk about trans issues as much as conservative white men talk about trans issues. It's an obsession on the right because they do not want to deal with the fact they do not have policies that the majority of the American people care about. If you need proof of that, you haven't won a popular vote since 2004 because they keep peddling in conspiracy theories and in culture wars as opposed to the issues that that are actually dealing with the uh, dealing with the problems of the American people. Figure out how to pave some roads before you start bothering these trans people. Figure out how you're going to fix the airports before uh, you start you, bothering you, trans people. I mean, uh, you, 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 if, all right, Leland. To be continued. To be continued. Okay, you guys enough. are both coming fair back. Enough. Don't worry. To be this, this ain't going away. Let me tell you. All right. We'll see you guys. We'll see you guys soon. Uh, this Thank Friday, you, we're live at the Iowa State, State Fair. Speaking of Iowa, special editions of Morning in America on balance as well. A couple presidential candidates uh, will be there with us as we eat funnel cake uh, and talk politics. What could be better? President Biden raised the stakes on climate change and global warming yet again in an interview with the Weather Channel. So you've already declared that national emergency. Well, in the practice, you have a bug on it. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. So you've already declared that national emergency. Practically speaking, yes. Uh Uh-huh. And reasonable people, of course, can agree the climate is changing. It's just undeniable. Beyond that, there's a lot of disagreement, especially about what to do about it and whether humans themselves can change the climate. 
and whatever we're going to do is going to make a difference. We've figured out one reason we can't agree on how to confront this real problem of climate change. According to a recent article by Addison Smith, climate change will lead to inevitable loss of summer vacations. The media has also been reporting an astronomical number of lives will be lost to shark attacks. The Earth will not rotate as quickly because of climate change. The southern border crisis, we're told, is going to get worse. And this was a new one. Evidently, if you have acne these days and it's getting worse, blame climate change for that, too. And it doesn't stop there. As we told you a couple of months ago, thanks to climate change, we may finally uncover the truth about the Loch Ness Monster. It's pointless hunting for an animal that has 24 miles of water to hide in. Drain the lake. I see the monster. Nay. Nah. There's merely Loch Ness High School's discarded homecoming float. No way! Aberdeen rules! That is, of course, The Simpsons predicting how we might, at one point, solve the mystery of the Loch Ness monster. The idea, of course, is that the heat will cause the water in Loch Ness Lake to evaporate, draining Loch Ness, and the truth will finally be revealed. With us to discuss all this, Tracy Fanara, inspector, creator of Inspector Planet. Tracy, it's good to see you. I appreciate this. Um, yeah, it's look, good to see you, too. I, we, we, can, we can argue back and forth what, what climate change is and is not responsible for, what we can do about it. I am wondering if talking about the really serious issues is somehow sort of easier to laugh off now because there is so much hysteria over everything else of the Earth's rotation and acne and what have you. Well, I will say that extreme headlines are really dangerous. I mean, it makes people think that they can't do anything about climate change when there's so much to be done. I mean, just, I mean, what's the most important thing to you? Like, in your life, what is the most important thing? Wow, I, I, I have never had anybody turn the tables just this quickly. Uh, I, think, I think you would have to say, I think you would have to say the, the love of family, but you, you talk about there's so much we can do. Okay, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, what President Biden calls the most aggressive, biggest climate change bill ever signed, ever dealt with, the biggest climate program to reverse climate change ever in history. A trillion dollars of money that we don't have spent. And in the best case scenario, uh, according to the United Nations climate map model, it would lower the temperature on Earth by a quarter of a degree. And, and everyone keeps saying there, there's so much we can do about it. I'm, I'm wondering if, if that kind of idea isn't part of the problem. I mean, here's the thing. You think a quarter of a degree isn't a lot. You know, like it doesn't sound like a lot, right? Until you look at the impact that just one degree had for a short period of time on coral reefs and how important coral reefs are to our economy and the ecosystem. And the reason why I asked you what the most important thing is, is because it's always health. You might not realize it until it's threatened. So it doesn't really matter what your thoughts are on global warming and, and, and climate change. But when it comes to pollution and what's in our air, that's, when, that's where we all can agree, that we want cleaner air, cleaner water. Oh, yeah, clean, no, cleaner, clean air, clean water. Clean. Look, they, they, yeah. it was a Republican who it was a Republican who did that. Um, thinking about Richard Nixon, one of the few decent things. Yeah, he, did, he actually but, turned it down, but Congress pushed it through. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. The climate, climate, climate is now a culture war issue. And this was in the, the New York Times. True greed is still it's a major true. factor in anti-environmentalism. But climate denial has also become a front in the culture wars, with right-wingers rejecting the science, in part because they dislike science in general, and opposing actions against emissions out of visceral opposition to anything liberals support. And what I'm, I, I keep going back to this part of the culture war is that it's kind of half a sentence, right? Because there's absolutely zero room given to those who say two years ago we were told hey uh, just get a covid vaccine and you're not going to get covid science changes there's lots of different explanations for this and it seems the farther we get down in the discussion about climate the less humility there is among scientists for how they might be wrong yeah it's it's interesting because science is always evolving it's always building on itself and it's it's hard to understand that what we understand at one point might just be a jumping point for, for the next phase of understanding. But when it comes to climate change and the amount of decades that it's worked on, I think that we're seeing people double down so much because we're just getting more and more in evidence, more and more evidence that shows our contribution to climate change. But I don't think it's fair to say that that Republicans don't don't support you know, science and climate science, because I, I haven't found that to be true. Um, I, you know, like I've, I've found that, especially in Florida, when where environment impacts us so, so acutely every right. single day, our economy depends on it. I mean, yeah, we all come together when it comes to environment. All right. It was I good mean, seeing you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you very much. You, you said it, you said it about you said it about health. Uh, there, there's something to that. I can, I can yeah. vouch for that. It's good to see you. Thank you. It's good Speaking to see you of too. health, sometimes a headline just grabs you. Really. And, it, and this headline did us. Because it's only about half the story. The other half, for some reason you can't talk about. For example, from yesterday's New York Times, summer camp, sun, swimming, archery, and therapy. During the pandemic summers, many camp directors say campers arrive with mental issues of severity they had not seen before, exceeding the capacity of counselors in their teens and 20s. Kelly Racibo, the director of Camp Eagle Ridge in McEllen, Wisconsin, recalled a single night in 2021 when she and her mental health specialists tag-teamed back and forth for hours, addressing problems that included suicidal ideation, eating disorders, and binge drinking. It's shocking. It is true. But despite the mental health crisis among teens and young adults, there appears zero interest by doctors or the New York Times to discuss the root cause of it. Dr. Coria Baer, former chief medical officer for the New Orleans Public Schools and now assistant professor at LSU, is one of the few who will honestly discuss the problem and joins us now. Doctor, it's good to see you. Uh, I, so much of the conversation about mental health appears to revolve around what kind of drugs to give kids and telling kids it's okay to admit mental health issues. Are we being honest enough about why this is happening and I'll I'll say it, addressing the root causes? Uh, I think that people are not being very honest about it. And the reason why is because, I mean, one of my other accolades, quote unquote, is that I'm the chief medical officer of Dillard University. And we're doing um, so much right now trying to address a lot of these mental health issues. I mean, across the country, the American um, College Health Association stats show, um, and even anecdotally for me, um, at a university, we would have five to 10 uh, patients a year that would have anxiety or suicidal ideations. And now in, in the last 15 years, I might have, you know, 15 a week 
of, of anxiety and, and one a week of a suicidal ideation. I mean, these numbers have jumped up so high and so quickly. Um, we think it has a lot to do with uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. And why do you know about FOMO? It's because of the phones. It's because of all of the overexposure and all of the over-information that children get at a very young age. I mean, I didn't know what Louis Vuitton was when I was 16 years old. But if you ask a nine-year-old right now what that is, they're like, oh, yes, I have to get my latest shoes or my latest bag. They have too much information, and they cannot uh, distill it down to what they need. It's overwhelming. They don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they should know. And then they get anxiety because anxiety comes from the future. You, you don't get anxiety about the past, and you don't get anxiety and, and all these uh, depression about the present. You get it because you have anxiety about what's going to happen. And if you don't know what's going to happen, then it makes right. you nervous. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'll give you a prime example. I have a nine-year-old daughter. And um, she went to sleepaway camp just, I mean, this is also anecdotal for me because she went to sleepaway camp for the first time. They didn't have air conditioning, by the way, which taught her how to be tough. But I will tell you that it it was like there's so many kids with anxiety at the sleepaway camp. And so this is something that we have to deal with, but we have to deal with it with our children and taking away some of the exposure that we're not regulating right now that's causing all these issues. I, I, it's fascinating everything you said. There's so many points to it. Uh, mental health, urban versus rural. Suicide increase among teens since 2010. 74% metro area, 40% non-metro area. We keep talking about the urban-rural divide um, in in America. And I, I'm wondering if it's a little bit about acceptance, right? If it's fear of missing out on being one of the cool kids with anxiety, who gets medicine, who goes to therapy, who's in touch. They're celebrated because they've come out and talk about their feelings versus... Uh, shall we say, a, a more rural approach, which is uh, go out and work in the fields or go go get a job and stop worrying mm-hmm. and put down your phone, uh, and it's not quite as accepted. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's the suck-it-up mentality in the rural areas because they don't have uh, as much exposure. I mean, and, and they, believe it or not, when you take a child that is in an urban area and then take them to a rural area, they decrease the amount of anxiety. I used to do medical missions in uh, Nicaragua when I would go in Managua, and this was 25 years ago when I was in Managua, all the children's names were Brandon and Dylan because all the people there at that time were watching 90210, and they had dolor de cabeza, dolor de columna, pain in back (laughs) and the neck. And I would go out to the countryside every night and when I go out to the countryside, there was no dolor that way because they woke up by the sun, they went to sleep by the moon, and they did not know about 90210, and that's the kind of life we need to strive for. Well, 90210 is where it all started. That's where we went wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Doc, it's good, to, it's good to see you. As I said, you're one, of the, you're one of the few who will tell the truth about this. Thank you. Coming up, Thank you, Red Warning. Conservative firebrand Ann Coulter warns Republicans need to change their tune on abortion. What record turnout in Ohio last night tells us about 2024. Do you have a condom? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you can't use those. What are you talking about? Who are you? I'm your Republican congressman. Now that we're in charge, we're banning birth control. This is our decision, not yours. Get out of our bedroom. I won the last election. I'm not going anywhere. 
I'm just going to watch and make sure you don't do anything illegal. August 8th was the date on the ad. Turns out this ad played a big role in last night's special election in Ohio. It led to devastating results for Republicans. Late results showed the pro-life ballot measure losing by 13 percentage points, 56 to 43. The roughly 2.8 million votes cast dwarfed the 1.6 million ballots counted in the state's 2022 primary, which included races for governor, the U.S. Senate, and the U.S. House. In other words, a million-plus more voters came out to vote on a ballot measure in August related to abortion than they did in the state's primaries. That is stunning. Conservative firebrand Ann Coulter tweeted, this is the change hearts and minds phase of the pro-life movement, not the, quote, make every Republican lose by pushing abortion restrictions phase. Again, stunning. Lauren Wright is here, professor at Princeton University in politics and public affairs. You kind of predicted this. Well, I think a lot of people would tell you this is not surprising. When we ask most Americans about abortion on a single issue basis, the majority want legal abortion. And by the way, in Ohio, it's almost 60 percent support for legal abortion. And so Ann Coulter happens to be right. It's a it's a practical argument. And it's absolutely true that if you alienate people and push for certain policies, you're not getting the full loaf, if you will. You're getting uh, absolutely nothing. You're not even getting uh, your preferred policy or something closer to the middle. It's a it's really a yeah. misconception. Ann Coulter wrote a piece that said states with recent ballot measures on abortion, Montana, Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan, California, Vermont, six ballot initiatives expressly on abortion. The pro-life side lost them all. Yep. Yet for for as extreme as pro-life can be and saying absolutely no abortion from the time of conception. The Democratic side goes equally as extreme, right? Uh, Zero restrictions. And there were a number of candidates who won for U.S. Senate saying that there should be zero restrictions of any type, which polls terribly um, when, when when asked correctly. I'm wondering how much of this is a branding issue and a messaging issue for Democrats versus Republicans versus an actual decision by voters on the facts. It's a it's absolutely a communication issue. And I read that Ann Coulter piece because Republicans need to articulate, agree on a policy and then defend that policy, throw it back at Democrats and say, what number of weeks are you OK with? Do you really mean abortion up until the point of birth? As you as you said, once you start asking people about specifics, the polling changes quite a lot. But we have Lindsey Graham at six at 15 weeks, which other senators in the GOP don't even support. You've got Ron DeSantis at six weeks. People don't even agree on these things. And then you have a handful of states that have near total bans. So they don't even know what their stance is. Right. And then it allows, you know, allows Democrats to define it if you don't know who can articulate who you are. We're seeing that polling play out. Uh, Ron DeSantis at six weeks is, is getting crushed with Republican women. Um, for Donald yeah. Trump, who, who realizes what what this means. The, the flip side seems to be happening a little bit on crime. Ann Coulter sort of made this point, but I'd make it a little bit more directly that the, the mirror opposite of the abortion movement for Democrats is turning into defund the police and immigration. We've seen the Massachusetts governor now say, look, too many migrants are showing up. We don't have space. Well, 
welcome to Texas, you might say. And then now we've got a soft on crime, progressive, uh, you know, crime guy in D.C. on the city council now calling for the National Guard. Take a listen. I know those who live here know that we are clearly in a war zone. Absolutely. I'm going to say it again. We are clearly. And we're very in love and very tired. Thank you. (laughs) Well, everyone here says you look great and we can't (laughs) tell you're tired, nor can we tell by any of your answers. So it's good to see you. Congratulations. Thank you. Now, abortion is a big issue in the Republican presidential primary. Join us for a live town hall, the first presidential town hall for candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. I'll be in Chicago on Monday. Live audiences in Chicago, Iowa, New Hampshire. We're going to also catch up with him in New Hampshire to see how he's interacting uh, with voters at the state fair. Maybe we'll have a funnel cake together. COVID hysteria has returned, and with it, demands for mask mandates that really have nothing to do with keeping you healthy. Sometimes many people don't even have any symptoms. A mask can be your best friend. Keep it private. Back in time, we've had them in our pockets, in our coats, in our backpacks. Time to bring them out again. Yes, you should be wearing masks in crowded areas, especially during a surge. Uh, But what about at home when you're walking on the street? So certainly at home it works if you want to reduce household transmission. That clip is not from two years ago. It was last week on PBS. As you can see, no pushback from the anchor. They are tracking a surge in COVID cases. Not to be outdone, the LA Times writes, COVID-19 is heating up all around this summer. Should we be wearing masks again? Quote, if you really don't want to get sick, Say you have an upcoming wedding or long-planned vacation abroad. Now might be a good time to mask up ahead of the big event, the very least in the highest-risk situations, such as in a crowded room or on public transit. You can sense the collective excitement. And this shouldn't be surprising. We've seen a summer wave of COVID the past three years. Despite all that, COVID rates are at near-historic lows in the United States. Join me now, former Assistant Secretary for Health, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Dr. Brett Girard. Doc, I... I can't help but think that sort of this excitement to bring back COVID pandemic restrictions on and on has a lot more to do with power and politics than it does with a mask is going to save you from getting COVID that is now much like the cold. Well, it's great to be on with you, and and I agree. It's a power play. It's virtue signaling. It's all those sorts of things. Yes, we are seeing not a wave. We're seeing a small ripple. Uh, hospitalizations are up from 7,000 to 8,000. Remember, we were at 150,000. And we're at a far different place because even though the cases are up, deaths are not up. That's because people are immune. They're immune because they've had COVID. They're immune partially because they've gotten the vaccine. And most people have gotten the vaccine and COVID. So we're in a much better place. Couple of things. There have been no good studies showing that masking really works. But the predominant of studies say, number one, Mask mandates do not work, period, full stop. Number two, as a general public health measure, uh, even the Cochrane Review, which is sort of the definitive source of reviews of this, showed that masks really don't work. Now, the one thing that I would say is if you're a high risk, you know, an elderly, chronically ill individual, and you're committed to wearing an N95 and wearing it tightly and doing it all the time, you know, you could probably reduce your risk, you know, in an airport or a flight situation. So on an individual level, sure, but let's put it this way. I'm not wearing a mask when I'm flying this summer. 
Uh, I feel very good about it. I've had four vaccines to COVID twice. I feel pretty immune and I'm going to get a cold. Yeah. Yeah. What, what I don't get and you think you make a great point about there's certain people who are going to wear a mask because of certain situations in the same way. There are certain people during flu season who take precautions. One study said that the, the CO2 you get from rebreathing in an N95 mask is, can damage your health on and on. What I'm wondering, though, is these sort of broad statements in this the hysteria. You lived through it and were there in, in 2020. But so much power was pulled into the government by COVID and by COVID restrictions and mandates. And it changed way more than just health restrictions. It changed education. It changed how we dealt with, with government spending. Uh, it changed our uh, you know, associations. It had all sorts of things. And I'm wondering if you don't sense that there's a, a group of people who kind of miss that power and that sense of hysteria? Well, you're asking for a non-medical opinion, but my opinion is yes. Uh, there are people who would like to control, you know, most of our lives. Uh, they have no idea of what liberty is, about the consequences of overregulation, like the devastating mental health of our children that you pointed out earlier uh, in the program, like all the missed cancer screenings, like the tremendous loss in education, economic development, these are all consequences that are very, you know, uh, that are absolutely catastrophic. And let me make one other comment. Um, masking children under six years old, I think, is never justified. There is no data to show that it helps. And there's reams of data to show that can mm. have adverse effects on all types of learning. And we're one of the only countries in the world, if not the only country yeah. in the world, that even thinks about masking children under six years of age. In fact, the WHO, often wrong. But the WHO says, you know, don't mask children under six and under 12, only in special circumstances. So everybody needs to take a deep breath here, understand where they are. The most important thing is if you are at risk, in other words, you're elderly, yeah. you are immunosuppressed, you have cancer, then do those kinds of precautions. And the other thing is make sure you have a plan with your physician, your pharmacist, that if you do get sick, you can get those antiviral medications because they are very, yeah. very effective at keeping you out of the hospital. Take a deep breath. Yeah, no, you, look, um, you, 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 you make such a great point, though, I think, that there's still people pushing things in the name of science that science clearly says doesn't work. Uh, and there's a reason for that, uh, as you point out, and there's consequences to it. Uh, we got to run, Doc, but it's good to see you. Thank you. Okay, bye now. All right. Yes, sir. We're continuing to follow the UFO whistleblower who says his health records were leaked Chris Cuomo next on why he says the government is so threatened by his claims. We're getting some new information on the UFO whistleblower and his history of struggling with mental illness. Chris spoke last night with investigative journalist Ross Coolhart. Here's some of that interview. When I asked him whether there was any dirt that anybody could drag out to try to discredit him, he barely thought this was worth mentioning, but he acknowledged that he'd suffered from PTSD. The intelligence community and the Defence Department clearly accepted that there was no issue because he was allowed to keep his security clearance. OK, so, Chris, I guess there's two issues here. One is the issues that the whistleblower has had in the past. And then two, why all of a sudden we're learning about them now in The Intercept uh, got, I guess, you could, what did you say, opposition research sort of got dumped all of this information. So you have how and why, okay? My concern about how is that it came from the government. The Intercept says, no, uh, we 
uh, filed a FOIA request. Now, Dave Grush uh, has said through Ross to us and uh, in our independent reporting today that he spoke to authorities involved in the office and that he was led to believe that nobody had made a FOIA request. Maybe they got it wrong and The Intercept did file a FOIA request and that's how they got the information. Fine. In The Intercept's piece, they also talk about speaking to a colleague of his. Well, what colleague would know about his health records? And, you know, because the idea that right after he testifies, all of a sudden you just decide to look up a 2018 incident at this one office, you know, out of nowhere. Like, you know, can you imagine ever one you doing that without somebody, without somebody prompting you? No, so yeah, somebody, somebody took the, the intercept off, right? Somebody took the that's intercept the how. off. That's the how. Right. Okay. That's the how. And that gives us a little bit of pause about like, well, our government people trying to put stink on him. That gets us to the why. The Intercept is known, of course, to a lot of the viewers for Snowden, right? Edward Snowden and protecting the whistleblower. So this would be an odd thing for them to traffic on. I don't know a lot about the person who's doing it. I know he talks a lot of trash about me, but that doesn't make him unusual. So why did they do this? The concern for me is you're talking about somebody's mental health. The implication is as obvious as it is ugly that you hurt someone's credibility if you say they've had a mental health issue, as opposed to saying he had diabetes or cancer. That's the part that bothers me. That's why we're looking at it more tonight from a couple of different angles, because his credibility has never been in question. Even the government, after finding out that he did what very few of us can do, very few of us can say, I I have a problem. I I got to get to to something else. I got to get to something else, which is that it's your birthday. Happy birthday. It is. Yeah. 53. Yeah, see, I just came from my birthday dinner where all my kids see, told me I this looked is, terrible. This is, this is dedication, though. A man who comes from his birthday dinner to tell the people the truth. Um, I'm a big golfer. You know, so during, you know, on a golf game during, during you? your birthday, you get, a, you get a few extra strokes. Yeah, you get a, you know, they give you longer putts. Hips You're are a big open. fisherman. You're a big fisherman. All right, we'll play sometime. We'll figure it out. Uh, the hips w- are a little what do they What do they give you when you fish at Jesus. your birthday? What happens? I mean, I don't know. I don't know who that is, but that guy is jacked. <laughs> they don't give me anything. I'm you so look pretty good for 53, blessed. buddy. Is that is that Photoshop? I mean, I'll tell you what. What is that? You know, it's a, yeah, absolutely. It's photoshopped. It's color corrected. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. I have one of the hairiest chests you'll ever see in your life. I, I don't know who that is. It's probably Dan Abrams. Um, look, I'm so lucky. I got three kids. They're healthy. I got a wife who puts up with all kinds of junk that she never had. Uh, any reason to expect would come. Talk about for better or worse. So there's nothing right. to get me. I am doing great. And now look where I am. I'm working with you. And you're beautiful. And you're a great colleague. <laughs> great to be here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, it's not going to get you any strokes on the golf course. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Have a great show. We'll see you soon. Back with some thoughts in a minute. Be careful about the hips. The hips were very open. Very open hips. He's been told that before. What exactly happened to $500 million of Civil War gold? Three treasure hunters say they have proof the FBI stole it. The FBI says, wasn't us. That's tomorrow. Here's Chris. All right, it's 
Chris Cuomo, it's Wednesday. We're live. So what do you say? Let's get after it. We're following this developing story. Last night, we broke news that mental health records for the UFO whistleblower David Grush have come out. How and why? This smells suspicious. The Intercept is the outlet, and they have the reporting. Solid outlet. But why would they traffic in talking about Grush's mental health? How is it relevant? Is this sincere or is it just a smear? David Grush responds, and we have reaction from a member of the congressional panel he testified before. Also, today is my birthday, 53. So what better gift than a weekly dose of perspective from the big man himself, Bill O'Reilly, if only he were jumping out of a cake? And does he really think the GOP is going to try to impeach Joe Biden. And how does that make him, how them, him, any better than what they opposed with the Democrats and Trump? Then, have you ever heard of a cop watcher? They're all over social media, gaining popularity, policing the police, essentially. Putting themselves in their cameras in between you, citizens, and officers. Why? What do they think the goal of this is? We have a main one tonight, close to 150 million views on YouTube. Why he started, what the value is, and what he wants you to know about interactions with the police. And as always, this is your show. Have your say. 844-968-7720. Ask whatever you want. You know the only rule. Be nice to Dusty. So, two-hour developing story. Last night's show, Ross Coulthart, the journalist who interviewed UFO whistleblower David Grush exclusively for News Nation. In the interview, Grush accuses the government of withholding information about UFOs from the public. And he says, look, bad things have happened to people who traffic in this and wanting transparency. He feared retaliation. Shortly after he testifies, get this, he's contacted by a news organization, The Intercept asking about his mental health records dating back some five years earlier. Coulthard told me he believes the government may have leaked those files in an effort to discredit the whistleblower. Take a listen. The only other place that had this information is the intelligence community. And somebody right, so that's the inside from. the intelligence community leaked it. For anyone to seek to use the suffering of mm. veterans,